So hey there friends and welcome to episode 119 of the Movement and Mindfulness podcast. I'm Erica and today we're going to be talking all about movement blind spots, how they impact the way that we move and feel, as well as how they can be a really interesting metaphor for other parts of our lives. So we will dive into that in just a sec. Hi, and welcome to the Movement and Mindfulness podcast with me, Erica Webb of Erica Webb Yoga and Pilates. In this podcast, I, along with my guests, will explore what it means to move as an act of self-kindness and self-discovery. We'll look at the ways movement, mindset, and mindfulness support us to be and do the things we so desire in the world. I truly believe that movement has the ability to expand our capacity to show up for the things that are important to us. And I'm here to help you embrace the idea of movement as a powerful tool for wellness, rather than just another thing you think you should be doing. I'm thrilled you're here. Let's do this. So hello and welcome. As I said, today we are talking all about movement blind spots. And this is a really good carry on from last week's episode, episode 118, which was all about an introduction to what somatic exercise actually is. And this is kind of diving into one piece of that with a little bit more depth. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I do recommend going and listening to episode 118 first. Um, That'll kind of lay the groundwork a little bit for what we're talking about here. But what I wanted to do today was dive a little bit more into what this movement blind spot stuff is, um, how it impacts perhaps the way that we feel and move, but also how it can be a really interesting metaphor for the rest of our lives as well. I always like to see the sort of connections between things and and draw some dots um, because that's one really amazing thing about our movement practice is that it influences more than just our movement on the mat. It really makes a difference to the rest of our lives as well. And my dog is barking. Hopefully that's not too loud. Um, This topic was prompted by a couple of things. One of them was kind of just carrying on from last week's episode. But also I had a question pop up in my messages basically asking whether or not the Mindful Movement Virtual Studio, which is my online studio, is... Uh, appropriate for people with injuries or recovering from things or who have um, twingy parts of their body. Like I often get people asking, I've got, you know, a bit of a a twingy back or a twingy shoulder or whatever, and I'm a bit nervous about um, tweaking it or, or disturbing it. What, you know, will this be okay for me? And so this is sort of in response to that a little bit as well. I'm not going to answer it exactly, but um, maybe I will actually. Um, But that was sort of why I was thinking about this topic. So first of all, let's, let's just rewind there. The doors to the virtual studio are currently open. So if that's a question that you have, stay tuned because um, I will answer that. And, And it's something that comes up really often is, you know, whether the studio is appropriate for, for you, if you have that kind of challenge. Um, the short answer is yes. I have heaps of people inside the studio who are either dealing with conditions like autoimmune, um, sort of recovering from injuries or just feel a little bit nervous or fragile in their body. And that is is exactly, you know, who I work with. So yes, the short answer is yes. And we're going to dive into this in a little bit more detail. So let's talk about what, and actually one more thing before I carry on, um, the doors to the virtual studio are only open until the 2nd of October. So when this comes out, that's just, I don't know, well, 
week and a bit away. Um, so if you are interested in joining us, head to the website. I'll pop the direct link into the show notes. You can go and check it out. I am here for questions. Um, so please do just, you know, jump over to Instagram and DM me. I'm at Erica Web Yoga if you have any questions. All right. So let's talk about movement blind spots or as they're referred to in somatic exercise, sensory motor amnesia. And basically this is where we have like a movement pattern that is blind to us. We don't know that we're doing it. And what I probably most often see is a situation where we believe we're doing something like um, holding our pelvis neutral, but in reality it's moving and we can't feel it. Or we think that we're holding our rib cage still as we lift our arm but our rib cage lifts and moves with us and we don't notice it. So these movement blind spots basically are patterns of movement in our body. And I'm trying to think of another example for you. Um, one of the things that I, what's one that I see a lot. So imagine that you're on your hands and knees and you are extending one leg out behind you doing the sort of classic bird dog, which is where we take one arm opposite leg and lift them away from the floor straight. One movement blind spot that I see a lot is, you know, we'd say hold your your pelvis in your rib cage still, and as the person lifts their arm and as they lift their leg, they do a big banana in their back, but they don't actually feel that they're doing that. So we could look at this in terms of, you know, we don't feel the movement that we are actually doing, or we don't realize that what we're asking to move, i.e., in this instance, kind of like our bum muscles to engage, we don't realize that they're not doing the job. So it's either we don't feel what we, you know, we don't realize that something's kind of not doing what we've asked it to do, or we don't realize that something that we would rather not be doing a job is taking over. So there's sort of two sides to this movement blind spot picture. And why is this potentially problematic? We talked last week um, in that intro to somatics about how for most of us, we end up kind of operating on tram tracks. So we end up in these very deeply worn paths of movement that we just repeat day in, day out. And so our movement possibility window gets narrower as we move through life rather than you know, staying expansive. So if you look at the way kids move around, you know, they can bend this way, that way, get up and down the off the floor a million ways, no fear around, you know, tumbling and doing all those sorts of things. And then as we get older and older and older, our movement ability tends to get narrower. And it's not because we become less capable. It's because we just don't use everything that's available to us because we're sitting at desks, because we're doing repetitive jobs, because we're protecting injuries because we're fearful because we you know all these reasons why we end up with this much narrower window of possibility for the ways that we can move and it's very true this this saying of like move it or lose it we tend to almost like lose that function and not be able to find it for a little while doesn't mean we can't get it back most often we can but it's it becomes this situation where, you know, I might see someone who has has temporarily lost the ability to bring their shoulder blades towards each other on their back on demand, right? They can't find that movement. It doesn't, it doesn't 
make sense. They can't slide their shoulder blades towards each other while everything else stays isolated. It's just not possible. And so this is what we talk about with with these movement blind spots. And in that example where perhaps, you know, this person, let's let's pop pop this person on their hands and knees again. And we talk about sliding the shoulder blades towards each other on the back and they cannot connect to that part of their body. But what they can do is create the illusion in their mind of having slid their shoulder blades towards each other by doing a little backbend, dropping the front ribs towards the floor. That's going to still do something similar and bring their face closer to the floor and um, kind of give the illusion that they've gone in the right direction. And it kind of can trick our brain into thinking, yeah, I did it. What's the problem? (laughs) I've gone, I've done exactly what you've asked, but we've done it in a way that is not exactly what we were after. Wasn't using the body part that we wanted. And the reason that this matters is because from a, from a movement um, brain body connection point of view, the more we're able to kind of express the capacity of our body, the more that we're able to, to use it in its fullest range with control, the more satisfied our system is that we, ha- we should have that access to our body. And this comes back to this idea that the body is always and the brain is always seeking safety. It always just wants to know that it's going to be able to get to the end of the day and wake up again tomorrow. And so if we have this sort of robust capacity to move through our full range, we tend to have less tension. We tend to feel less discomfort. If our window gets smaller and smaller in terms of what choices we have, then, you know, we, we experience the tension. We experience these um, these kind of like almost we can't figure out why we feel so tense. But at the end of the day, we're like, oh, you know, my shoulders hurt, my hips hurt, everything hurts. Um, and so movement blind spots, when we start to identify them, when we start to move beyond them, it opens up more possibilities, more options for movement, which our brain and our body both really love. One of the things with this idea of like twinging a part of ourselves, and and, and often we hear about this from the point of view of our back. You know, we might say, might, and I've been here, right? I, I, <laughs> oh gosh, how long ago was it? My little, my littlest would have been just a few months old, like maybe three months old, so a tiny little baby. And I was at home unstacking my dishwasher and I leaned over, took a plate out of the the dishwasher and couldn't stand back up and had to kind of make my way onto the floor and lay there for quite some time because my back just spasmed and I couldn't, I couldn't move. And my baby was upstairs on the next floor. I had a two-year-old at home. It wasn't ideal. Um, so I understand this feeling, right? This, this has been part of my picture too. So I just want to make that, that, that clear because sometimes, you know, I think it's like, oh, well, you don't really understand, but I, I, I do understand a lot of this um, from a, a, you know, personal experience point of view as well, because that's a crappy position to be in, right? Where you're like, can I bend over to pick up a dish or is that going to be the thing that throws me out? And I hear this so often where people are like, I'm so nervous about setting myself back. I'm so nervous about doing the wrong thing. I'm so scared to hurt myself. And fear is a huge part of this picture, which we're not going to really talk about today because it's probably a bit beyond um, the the topic, sort of. Um, 
But what we have to consider is like if we've been using our back on the same train track, the same small window of what we really could be doing, any time that we exceed what our brain slash body believes we're capable of, it's going to shut it down. It's going to be like, this is a bad idea. That dish, you know, is a bad idea. And when our body and our brain decide that we shouldn't have access to what we're doing, it creates tension to make us stop. That is what that, you know, we have that twinge. We're like, holy crap, what have I done? Everything hurts. Um, And that is your brain saying, you know what, put the brakes on. Whatever you're doing right now is a bad idea. So if we think about this from the point of view of these movement blind spots, if we have been intentional in our movement practice of safely, and and the safety here is actually less about actual kind of, um, what's what do I want to say? It's like less objective um, safety, right? Because we might just be lying on the floor with no load other than your own body and gravity. Um, But, you know, where we create a sense of safety psychologically as well as physically. And we've explored the ranges that we have available that perhaps we haven't been using. And we start to prove our capacity to use our body in all of those ways. Then what happens is when we are presented with um, an instance of you know, moving outside of those train tracks, our options, our possibilities have expanded from the point of view of like what we're capable of. And so our brain, our body doesn't feel the need to as aggressively shut things down because it's like, no, I know you know how to do this. You've shown, you've, you've proven it. And so moving outside of our blind spots is how, is one of the ways that we create that sense of being more robust, being more resilient, having more options up our sleeve. And it doesn't have to be super complicated. Sometimes, you know, depending on the picture, sometimes it can be more complicated than other times. But for a lot of us, it is simply exploring those ranges um, with this sense of control and safety. And that is one of the reasons why I love somatics so very much, because it is this sort of playground where we start to explore these blind spots. One of the the ways that we kind of identify a blind spot sometimes in somatics is through this this feeling of jitteriness or jumpiness in a movement. So, you know, last week on the episode, um, I talked you through like a shoulder circle, I think, from memory. And in that shoulder circle, we might notice little moments where that movement goes boop, 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 like a bit staccato <clears throat> or like it's skipping and jumping and hopping or there's a whole section that you're like, I don't even know what was going on there. And that is our blind spots. That's the bits where we're like, yeah, I don't, that doesn't feel familiar. That doesn't feel connected. That doesn't feel controlled. And so part of the, the work is really just paying attention and getting more clarity in that movement and in that sort of control and, and um, capacity. And so, you know, it goes against, I guess, what is our instinct, which is to narrow the window even more. Our instinct is always to narrow the window to protect ourselves, but we're actually doing ourselves a disservice. Now, this obviously does not um, 
apply necessarily when you are in an acute injury phase, but no, I'm never working with people who are in acute injury phases, right? So, you know, you need to be seeing your physiotherapist, your chiropractor, your osteopath, whoever it is that looks after you um, in that respect. I absolutely don't replace those people by any stretch of the imagination. But when we're talking about um, these kind of more long-term chronic issues, we might've injured our back you know, 10 years ago, and we're still like, my back's a little twingy. I would argue that it's twingy because we've been narrowing our window over a decade. And part of the job now is to reprove our capacity. And it doesn't have to be, you know, through really aggressive means. And it, and it, and I, and it doesn't, I mean, I think it needs to be really gentle. Um, and so this is what, you know, this is why uncovering our movement blind spots can be incredibly valuable. Does everybody have blind spot yet spots? Yes. They don't always bother people though. So, you know, we might have, like I could watch a few people walk around and probably, you know, be like, yeah, they've got some blind spots. If they're not in discomfort, it's, it's not really an issue. Um, so it's not about kind of like picking apart our, patterns for the sake of it. But if we are in discomfort, if we are feeling tension, if we are dissatisfied with the things that we can do in life around movement and, you know, being able to get down on the floor to play with the kids or the grandkids or being able to go for that walk um, through the bush without, you know, fear, Um, if we want to be able to reach up to the top shelf to grab a glass down or carry the vase, you know, the heavy vase from the top shelf and and not be concerned about that, that's when this stuff makes a huge, huge difference. And for most people, you know, as we've moved through life, we've collected (laughs) these different um, blind spots over time and they can shift and they can change and they can just continue to accumulate. Sometimes we, you know, shift some of them and then new ones appear. Um, It's not the, the goal isn't actually to eliminate all of our blind spots forever and ever and and call it finished. It's actually realizing that over time there's, there's just more things to explore. And I think this is a really interesting thing that bears repetition ad nauseum is that this isn't a a game with an end point. You know, this is, there's no instructions that say how to win at this game um, and pack up all the pieces and and call it a day and go home. We are forever living in these bodies that we are using in ways that, you know, affect how we feel, you know, right. As I'm, as I'm doing, as I'm recording this, I'm sitting at a desk, um, I've been painting my house a lot, which if you follow me on Instagram, is it getting boring yet? I'm bored of it. I've been painting so much and my shoulder is sore from that because it is repetitive and my thumb is sore from that because it is repetitive. If my goal was to never feel like this and to just feel like I had this perfect, untouchable body in terms of how how it feels and, you know, attention accumulation and things, then I am setting myself up to feel pretty down on myself all of the time because our human bodies are going to get uncomfortable because of the way that we use them and the things that we do. But knowing that, you know, this is not, this doesn't make me a prisoner in my body. I have tools. I have ways of shifting how I, how I feel. 
I have, you know, for me personally, I have a bunch of things in my tool belt where I'm like, okay, been painting heaps. These are the things that I'm going to do to help make my shoulder a little happier as a result of what I've put it through. That's not my body failing, right? Like when I've spent three days straight painting for six, seven, eight hours a day and my shoulder hurts, that's not my body being a jerk. That's my body responding to exactly what I've put into it, right? That's literally my body responding to the activity that I've put it through. So, you know, this this idea, I think, of shifting our perspective from one of being that, you know, my body is failing me anytime these things happen to one of like, oh, this is my body just being human body and, and, and genuinely working for me, right? If we think about the fact that we are just safety-seeking creatures um, in the sense that, you know, we're survival-based, um, then your body is always working for you, even when it doesn't feel particularly comfortable. Um, but this perspective shift can really help us to become, well, it can help us shift our relationship with ourselves from one where it feels like we're kind of at war with this physical body to one where we we recognize the 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 fact that this body is working for us and you know befriend ourselves um and be kind because that is ultimately you know the goal so last thing i want to say about movement blind spots is i think it's really a very cool parallel also with how we move through the world in non-physical ways too so you know, if we think about the, the fact that we have these blind spots and we just are kind of working on autopilot, really, when it comes to movement, which is a good thing, because if we had to think about how are we going to walk from A to B and we had to think through every single step and every single motion, we would be, we wouldn't go anywhere. It would be exhausting. So, you know, it's a good thing that we work on autopilot and we don't work on shifting these these movement habits all the time because we would be so tired. It would be so exhausting. Um, that's why we work on them in little pockets of time, right? So, um, but we also do this in other ways too, right? You know, we have these automatic reactions to things. Um, we have these automatic ways of engaging with other people and with the world. And I think when we start to notice and shift our movement um, blind spots, it can open up the door to witnessing and observing and questioning those blind spots that we have in other ways as well, which is never a bad thing. You know, I think the, the ability to, to be curious about the way that we engage with the world and the way that we engage with other people and the way that we're in relationship with ourselves and with others is like invaluable. The, the value in that is immense because we have so many choices that we don't see as choices. And part of that is because we are, you know, running on autopilot. And so, you know, just some food for thought. I'm not going to say too much more about that because I do want to keep this episode under 25 minutes if I can. So I'm going to wrap it up. But if um, you have questions about this idea of movement blind spots, I'd love to hear from you. If you want to work with me on some of this stuff, then um, there's two ways that you can do that. You can join the Mindful Movement Virtual Studio, which is, as I mentioned, my online um, home of movement classes. We do live stream classes. We have a 
class of the day that you can access on demand, so anytime, anywhere. Um, and we have monthly masterclasses where we dive into some of this stuff in more depth, as well as office hours, which means that you can have all your questions answered. Um, so that is one option. Doors are open at the moment and they close on the 2nd of October 2021. Australian Eastern Time. So if you are interested in joining, head over to my website. I'll pop the link in the show notes so you can head straight there. Um, The other way that you can work it with me is one-on-one. And this is particularly valuable if you have kind of more stuff that you just want eyes um, to help you identify and shift. So, you know, we do these online, but I can still see you. Um, And I can help you to start to identify some of these movement blind spots that might be where, you know, if we just kind of expand that window a little bit, um, that you get that feeling and and that reality of having more capacity and resilience and robustness in your movement. I'll pop the link for finding out more about that in the show notes as well. And like I said, come over and, you know, start a conversation with me on Instagram too. I'd love to hear from you. You'll find me at Erica Webb Yoga over on Instagram. You can find me under the same name on Facebook. And yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know if this has brought up any questions, any ideas, any thoughts. And until next week, keep being kind to yourself. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Movement and Mindfulness podcast. I hope you loved it. And if you did, maybe share it with a friend who would love it too. And I'd also be so grateful if you'd take the time to subscribe, rate and review the show. It makes such a difference to get that feedback. And if you're over on social media, why not come and find me? You'll find me at Erica Webb Yoga on both Instagram and Facebook. And over on my website, you'll find access to some free resources, including free classes that will help you to move well, feel well, and most importantly, move with kindness. Over there, you'll also find more information about joining me inside the Mindful Movement Virtual Studio, which is my home of kind movement, yoga, Pilates, and somatics to help you move well, feel well, and all with kindness. Until next time, I hope you're having a great day. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.